This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. And our scripture this morning comes to us from the Holy Gospel in Luke. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 21 to 30. Then he, that is Jesus, began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the Mm -hmm. land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. It's hard to go home again, isn't it? Going back home means returning to people who knew you at an earlier stage in life. Right, a stage in life when you were younger, you were uh, perhaps in very formative stages, and you did things that maybe you look back on now and you cringe a little bit. But folks in the hometown only know you as that earlier self. And when you've been away and have changed and returned, they expect the same you, the old you. But you aren't the same. And because you aren't the same, people have opinions. And if the changes that have happened in and to you aren't to their liking, well, you'll know about it real soon. Because hometown folks love to judge and gossip and talk amongst themselves. And so going home can be very, very hard. Perhaps you can identify. Maybe you've been where Jesus is. You've made the return that you hoped would be triumphant, but which is judged by others as anything but. And so Jesus in our text has returned to Nazareth. And in the verses just preceding uh, our reading in Luke 4, Jesus shows up at the synagogue on the Sabbath and reads from the scroll. And here's what he reads from the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are wonderful things, right? Things that signify a new era, an era in which God is going to act powerfully for justice, for overcoming oppression. God is going to act on behalf of the forgotten. And Jesus tops it off by saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, all those things the prophet spoke of, they are becoming reality in and through me. And initially, the people love what they're hearing, right? They spoke well of him and were amazed, Luke says. They love it because Jesus is one of them. And if all of these incredible things are about to happen, they're about to happen to and for them, presumably. And Jesus anticipates this. He says, doubtless you will say, do the things here that we heard you did in Capernaum. And of course, that was a neighboring town uh, along the Sea of Galilee, not too far from Nazareth. So they're saying, do those things here too, right? We want in on the glory and the goodness. After all, this is your hometown, Jesus. You're one of us. This is going to be great. And you can almost see the plans forming in their minds. And then Jesus gives them a little history lesson, <clears throat> a little history lesson. He says, remember the terrible famine that happened during the time of Elijah, a time when many in Israel went hungry? Well, is, uh, Elijah was not sent to relieve the needs of any of the widows in Israel, but rather to a widow living in Zarephath of Sidon. Right during this time when there was so much need here in Israel, God sent Elijah to help a woman in a Philistine city. And remember the time of Elisha when Israel was facing the armies of Syria? There was an outbreak of leprosy. And yet Elisha was not sent to heal one of the many lepers in Israel. No, he was sent to, to heal of all people Naaman, a general in the Syrian army, the army of your enemies. The point could not be clearer or more shocking. And suddenly the cheers turn into anger. What does he think he is talking to us like that? How dare he claim to represent God's moment of jubilee and then say it's for others. And not only others, but our enemies. Justo Gonzalez gives the example of a hometown kid who makes it big as an athlete. Right? He was good at, let's say, baseball or football, and then he makes it big time with a professional team, signs a huge multi-million dollar contract, and then he comes back right to great fanfare. Everybody's excited. They're celebrating. But then he announces some serious donations, not to their community, but to the rival town up the road. You can imagine the backlash. Now, it's easy, of course, for us to deride this hometown crowd and to identify with Jesus and to say, I know what it's like to be misunderstood and rejected by the hometown folks. 
They just don't get it. And yet perhaps the scandalous point of this text is to find ourselves in the hometown crowd. To confess to being caught in the dualisms and tribalisms of our day in which we too have created enemies. Those folks for whom we don't want to hear anything good coming their way. And this list might include but not be limited to political opponents, folks who have a different take on voting rights, senators who block their own party from passing what we see as needed legislation, people who refuse to act responsibly during a pandemic, TV personalities who work for Fox News, people who still have political signs in their yards from an election that finished almost two years ago, the wealthy who rigged the system to benefit themselves, folks who intentionally pollute the earth for their own gain, even, and I hear there are such people, those who are zealously anti-wordle. <laughs> but in all seriousness, right, it can be all too easy to let our zeal for justice and goodness seep into a bitterness and even hatred that takes root in our hearts for those we perceive to be standing in the way. And a subtle shift might occur in our hearts so that we not only oppose <clears throat> such folks, but we despise them. And we, we might even wish harm to befall them. Right? I mean, who of us hasn't seen a headline about someone who was adamantly opposed to vaccines or taking this pandemic seriously, and then they died of COVID? And our reaction might have been, well, they asked for it. But what's worse is we might even find ourselves smiling when we read of such a thing. And so here's the hard thing. Can we accept that God's love extends even to those we consider to be other and perhaps justifiably other? Well, shortly we'll share the gifts of bread and wine together. And we must remember that Jesus shared bread and welcomed his table, even tax collectors tax collectors who were complicit with empire in the defrauding and the harming of the poor. Who is welcome at our table? Only those who measure up to our standards? Once we go down that road, we might well have missed the message of Jesus. Jesus, who on the cross embraces the purveyors of violence, members of the empire who seem entirely opposed to everything Jesus stood for, and yet Jesus calls upon God to forgive them. That is grace, radical grace, scandalous grace. That's enough to get the hometown crowd riled up and ready to throw you right off a cliff. 
So the question for us this morning is, are we part of the mob who cannot handle such talk? Or are we ready to listen and repent of our own idolatry? Can we let go of our need for enemies? <coughs> Can we let go of whatever hatred has seeped into our hearts? And lastly, can we admit of our own need for grace? The good news is there's plenty enough for us all. Amen. May it be so. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.